This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. The Fed Minute show officials are concerned about making rate cuts too early. And the Boeing executive overseeing the 737 program is leaving the company. Plus, Reddit bets on loyal users in an unusual IPO move. One thing that we've noted in the past is that individuals aren't usually seen as the most loyal stockholders. But Reddit is hoping that these are loyal users of the site. They're going to also be loyal shareholders going forward. It's Wednesday, February 21st. I'm Anne-Marie Fertoli for The Wall Street Journal. This is the PM edition of What's News, the top headlines and business stories that moved the world today. When will the Federal Reserve finally start cutting rates? As the timeline shifts, we're learning from the January Fed minutes out today that more officials signaled concern about cutting rates too soon, as opposed to the risks of holding rates too high for too long. Central bank officials are trying to balance two risks. One is that they move too slowly to ease policy and the economy crumples under the weight of higher interest rates. The other is that they ease too much too soon, allowing inflation to become entrenched at a level above their 2 percent goal. The minutes showed some officials thought recent improvements in inflation were a one-off and cited risks the slowdown might stall or reverse if consumer spending was stronger than anticipated or if borrowing costs declined and other financial conditions were unduly easy. At a news conference after last month's meeting, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said officials weren't likely to consider cutting rates at their next meeting in March. We will, of course, keep you posted on any and all updates on that front. Reddit is making an unusual bet as it prepares to go public next month. The nearly 20-year-old social media company is known for its message boards covering any and every topic, plus its Ask Me Anything or AMA digital town halls. And you may recall a forum on Reddit called Wall Street Bets. Yes, that's the one that launched a frenzy in meme stock trading three years ago. It was a show of power for the company's users, which now number about 70 million on an average day. As we report exclusively, Reddit is now betting on that loyalty. It wants to offer shares to 75,000 of its most active users, known as Redditors, as part of its IPO. That's according to people familiar with the matter. But the strategy comes with a good amount of risk. Here now with more is Wall Street Journal IPO reporter Corey Drebush. So, Corey, we've certainly seen the power and the market power of Redditors before. What is the company now hoping those users will do for its public debut? Reddit has been preparing for an IPO for more than two years now. They first confidentially filed uh, for an IPO in 2021. At that time, Reddit CEO Steve Huffman had said that he wanted to make any offering they do more accessible to individuals, that they wanted their users to be shareholders. And by doing this, by offering to sell a bunch of their shares of the IPO to 75,000 of their most prolific, if you will, users and moderators, that's a way to turn their loyal base into shareholders. And one thing that we've noted in the past is that individuals 
aren't usually seen as the most loyal stockholders. They're seen as ones who will sell more, more frequently. But Reddit, from what we understand, is hoping that these are loyal users of the site. They're going to also be loyal shareholders going forward. Let's talk about the risk, because there is a considerable bet they're making here, right? Yes. The bet is that they can make these 75,000 users or Redditors money and that they can give them the way to buy in at the IPO price, the same price that big institutions like your mutual funds or your hedge funds buy in at in traditional IPOs, and that the stock price will go up from the IPO price. But what if the stock goes down from the IPO price? Then you've just lost money for these 75,000 of your most loyal users. And that's not going to engender any kindness or loyalty, really. It could actually anger these folks. And Redditors, as we know, uh, haven't shied away from boycotts in the past. And what Reddit's doing is unusual, but not unprecedented. Robinhood, obviously a stock trading platform that also benefited from the meme stock trading frenzy of 2021. When they went public that year, they sold a bunch of its IPO to its users. And that really, I'm not going to say as dramatically as backfired, but the risks became very clear. They had a volatile first day of trading. The stock fell about more than 8%. And while the stock in the subsequent months did come up above the IPO price, since then it's really floundered. And as of earlier this week, it was trading about 60% below its IPO price. Corey, you and I have talked on this podcast not so long ago about the bumpy IPO market. So what is the appetite for a Reddit debut right now? So they have name recognition. Reddit also has a bit of some um, tailwinds. We understand that with AI, they're going to maybe be trying to make some money off of that. But at the same time, they are not profitable yet. We haven't seen Reddit's official S1 or their IPO paperwork filing with the SEC yet. That's expected before the end of the month. And if they're on the trajectory towards profitability, that could help them. If not, they're going to struggle potentially to find investors because in this more choppy stock market, profitability is everything. I've been speaking with Wall Street Journal IPO reporter Corey Drebush. Thank you, Corey. Thank you so much. Speaking of the influence of social media, we'd like to hear from you. States are cracking down because they're worried apps like Instagram and TikTok have no guardrails for teens. In January, senators from both sides of the aisle grilled tech CEOs over how their algorithms affect minors. So what questions do you have about the influence of social media on kids or what policies we might see to counteract the negative effects of social media? Send us a note or even better, record a voice memo on your phone and send it to WNPod at WSJ.com. That's WNPOD at WSJ.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 212-416-4328. Just be sure to include your name and location. We might use it on the show. Coming up, are your appliances breaking down more often? We'll get to what's behind their shorter lifespans after the break. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. A leadership shakeup at Boeing. Ed Clark, a vice president for the 737 program, is leaving the company. Clark oversaw the Washington factory that built the jet involved in last month's door plug blowout midair. He took over the plant in 2021 as Boeing was recovering from the fallout of two fatal MAX crashes in 2018 and 2019. Boeing also said it's creating a new position to oversee quality control at its commercial airplanes unit. Staying on the topic of air travel, the Internal Revenue Service in the U.S. is set to begin auditing dozens of companies over the personal use of corporate jets by executives and other wealthy travelers. The agency's commissioner says it'll start with three to four dozen audits of large corporations and partnerships. And millions of dollars of tax deductions are at stake. Companies typically get a deduction for the cost of planes and flights used for business reasons. But some also allow top execs to take personal trips, often at the expense of the company. Companies need to track both for tax purposes as they occur, and not just when the IRS is asking questions. The artificial intelligence boom continues to propel tech companies to new heights. Chip company NVIDIA, whose tech underpins almost all of the world's most advanced AI systems, reported after the bell today that its sales tripled from a year ago, surpassing even Wall Street's heightened expectations. The company said it made $22.1 billion in revenue in its last fiscal quarter. Net profit was $12.29 billion, compared to over $1.4 billion a year earlier. NVIDIA also forecast around $24 billion of sales for its current quarter, ahead of Wall Street expectations and a fact-set survey. We'll have more on the company's earnings in tomorrow morning's show. And EV maker Rivian is laying off 10 percent of its salaried workforce. The company expects vehicle output to be flat this year and says market conditions for its electric trucks are tougher. The startup plans to produce about the same number of pickup trucks and SUVs this year as it did in 2023. EV companies have been scaling back their investment plans amid slowing sales growth and weaker consumer interest. Washing machine not cleaning your dishes as well as it used to? Ice maker in your refrigerator sputtering out? It's not your imagination. Appliance technicians say there's been an increase in items in need of repair. Those in the industry are blaming a push toward computerization and more components inside the actual machines that are flimsier and less reliable. Our Consumer Trends reporter Rachel Wolf dug into the shrinking lifespans of our large appliances, and it turns out we're spending more money on them, too. It's an interesting discrepancy between how much appliances cost right now versus how much people are spending every year on them. So American households actually spent 43% more on home appliances in 2023 than they did a decade earlier in 2013. And that rose from an inflation-adjusted average of $390 a year to $558. However, at the same time, prices have actually gone down about 12% over that same decade. And all the experts I spoke to said one reason for the discrepancy could be a higher rate of replacement. People might be spending less on the individual appliances, but needing to replace them more. So they're more likely to have a large appliance purchase each year than they did in the past. 
So what's the industry saying about this? Here's Rachel again. A spokeswoman for the Association for Home Appliance Manufacturers says their own data last updated in 2019 shows that the average life expectancy of an appliance has her quote, not substantially shifted over the past two decades. She said the industry has enhanced safety, energy efficiency, capacity, and performance while adding features and maintaining affordability and durability. Rachel spoke to J.R. Whalen, host of the Wall Street Journal's Your Money Briefing podcast. And finally, if you're shopping for clothes that look good on you, the first person you might turn to for an opinion is your significant other. After all, shouldn't the better-dressed partner offer some sartorial advice? But men in white-collar jobs are increasingly turning to professional stylists, expensive ones. Our men's fashion columnist Jacob Gallagher says these services are becoming more popular as corporate dress codes are in flux. The logic of just wear a suit and tie and you'll be presentable in any meeting it no longer fully applies. You know, if we were still in the Mad Men era of everyone looking like Don Draper in a gray flannel suit and a black tie, this whole industry wouldn't exist. There wouldn't be this market. The pricing seemed to start around $3,000 and it went up to $10,000 for this one stylist that I spoke with. That is, I guess the term would be project fee. One stylist phrased it as, that's a fee for as long as it takes to get the job done. It's a lot of, you know, what you would think of as like, a nice date night sweater, you know, a pair of pants that's tapered by a tailor. And then some of these men, they'll continue to text the stylist over time, hey, does this look good for a meeting? Hey, does this look good for a date? What I've learned about fashion, it's all about owning whatever you wear with confidence. And that's definitely how I feel about my new gold boots. And that's what's news for this Wednesday afternoon. Today's show was produced by Pierre Bienname and Anthony Bansi with supervising producer Michael Kosmides. I'm Anne-Marie Fertoli for The Wall Street Journal. We'll be back with a new show tomorrow morning. 